I've got you under my skin. It is 16 minutes before the hour here on the Drought Large radio show. I almost said I've got you under my feet. <laughs> Thank you anyway. That, that's probably what my wife would say about my dancing abilities. You know, we took ballroom, right where I want you. Yeah. We took ballroom dancing lessons uh, you know, years ago when we were dating before we got married and all that fun stuff. Way and before I like, Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, that's right. Start the trend. And uh, uh, you know, it's funny. It was one of the things they do in, in the lessons is is you don't just dance with you know girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whoever it happens to be to you. You know, they they make you dance with other partners. Uh, and this is a true story. I could dance with any other woman in the room <laughs> except my then fiance. Uh-huh. Uh, or was she I, leading? Well, no, well. Let's just say she was resistant to my lead. <laughs> Didn't have a problem with anybody else, but her. All of yeah. a sudden, I can't dance. Uh-huh. But there was there was uh, there was one dance that we were actually it was I think it was L A Swing. Oh. We could we could we could do L A Swing together pretty well. All right, but um, not nothing nothing else. I was you know I was phenomenal with everybody else, but you know not so much with her. <laughs> our, our business partners Ben, you've met Ben, you've met, met yeah, Ben yeah, yeah, and Nancy. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were competitive ballroom dancers. Really? At well, one I point. I yes. had uh, you know I had some uh, uh, relatives who uh, were competitive, or at least they did mm. it a lot. You know, they used to one of those every Friday night kind of things. My uh, George and uh, uh, George and Andrea, yeah, yeah, George, oh. who unfortunately passed away many years ago, and Andrea, who at ninety five is is struggling a bit. Oh, okay, so she's not no. putting her pumps on and yeah, hitting, no. waltzing no. with no, with she's... anyone. Anyway, okay. it reminds me, I got to pay her a visit. Anyhow, oh. <laughs> so Judy Lubier is with us from Seniors Helping Seniors New Hampshire at SeniorsHelpingSeniorsNH dot com is where you can learn more about how they. Uh, employ seniors to help seniors be safe and comfortable in their home, tending to all their needs to put you at mind without putting your uh, savings account in the toilet That's and giving right. it the big flush mm-hmm. so they can <laughs> take a cruise with the tidy bowl man. That's so right. seniors helping seniors dot com is where you can learn more. Judy, good morning. Good morning. What good you got for us here. today? Well, we have at the end of the month, you, you may have heard from folks from the Alzheimer's Association whose New Hampshire office is yeah. in Bedford. So right in your backyard. That's right. Our backyard. We actually had um, them on last week. Oh, good. To talk so, about the walk, walk to end Alzheimer's, which is this the 23rd, I believe, right? I think it's, I believe it's the last weekend in September usually. Um, I have to say, I'm, but maybe it is this coming weekend. It is this, it is this Saturday. This Saturday. Yeah. Okay, good. And I'm leaving for my daughter's wedding in Oregon. So that's ah. why if I, if this year we're not walking. We've done some other things for um, other fundraisers and things. But I thought that I would bring an update regarding. Well, congratulations um, on the pending wedding. Thank you. We're very excited. It should be a good a good wedding in Bend, Oregon, Mountain View in somebody's backyard. So um, ah, it will nice. be nice. But um, with the walk to end Alzheimer's, um, so I like to just keep people up to date. And one of the th- recent studies that has come out of Cedars-Sinai in New York, and this study looks interesting enough to talk about, um, <laughs> that maybe we can, they, they are looking at an eye test, so a high-definition eye scan that looks at the retina, and what they found was that there was a plaque buildup in the retina that's the same amyloid beta plaque that builds up in Alzheimer's disease, and so if these plaques are found in an increased number, 
They're thinking that at least in the investigative stage, this may be indicative of Alzheimer's to come and Mm. um, that it would give us a way to far in advance of what we have now, which is basically based on symptoms diagnose Alzheimer's. So they're so, saying they can diagnose Alzheimer's by looking at your retina? Looking at your retina and wow. that we, we that in um, cases where there's an increase of that amyloid beta plaque, which is seen uh-huh. in the back uh-huh. of the retina, that that would be, it's, it's, um, it's showing also that it's in line with an increase in that amyloid beta in throughout the brain. Um, and so prior to about, I would say, Seven years ago, it's only been talked about for the last five years or so, mm-hmm. but the what we would hear even five years ago is the only way to diagnose Alzheimer's would have been at autopsy. Right. And then um, PET scans, they found that we could do PET scans of the brain and we would find the plaques and the tangles building up. However, PET scans are very expensive and there's a radiographic dye, so those aren't widely done and they're not covered by Medicare and insurance and we'd have to do too many. So this would be a much a non-invasive way and much less expensive way, they hope, to screen for Alzheimer's. Now it's still investigative okay. stage. So it's not at that stage so yet where it's being is- used. We're not sure because I think three years ago I went to a research symposium in Boston and they said we may be five years away from a blood test. Okay. Um, and then people may be hearing this and saying, well, I've been paying attention and what about peanut butter? <laughs> because I heard about peanut butter. Have you heard about the peanut butter I test? I have not heard about the peanut butter okay. test. So the peanut butter test was done in a very small group, 94 people, only 18 of which had Alzheimer's. And they said that those folks with Alzheimer's had a reduced ability to discern the smell, the odor of peanut butter in their left nostril. Believe it or not, and so this exactly you should. If everybody could who, see, who the Rich's hell figures this stuff face. out? <laughs> yeah, left nostril, right nostril. You know, uh, I mean, really, was this a government-funded study? Because yeah. only the government would fund something. Oh yes, we're going to see whether or not peanut butter snorted right. through the left nostril causes People, the brain to register this. What the right. hell? So this was primarily ruled they haven't been able to duplicate yeah, that no test kidding. believe it or not so that so and it made its way around partly because a doctor and I'm not recalling who on some program or actually he was a cook he wasn't a doctor made this big announcement so he read something <laughs> somewhere so I really like to be careful about what we share um, because things do make their way around but this is out of Cedar sinai and you know just to caution everybody it's in still in investigative stages but um, there was another thing that I read recently about Ronald Reagan and they looked at his speech pattern mm-hmm. Um and this, again, is one of those things. And they did find speech differences way before he was diagnosed. And one of the things about Ronald Reagan is, you know, for the most part, actually, they'll probably have this much data on your speech patterns, Rich, but mm-hmm. most of us don't have recorded speech patterns over a long period of yeah, time the way we had for Ronald Reagan, not just audio, but also video. Okay. Um, so most of us won't have that kind of data to go back and assess. But as they went back and assessed, they found that you could find some changes to his speech patterns that could have been indicative of Alzheimer's. Such as? 
Word substitution. So instead of saying, would you hand me the pen, um, would you hand me that thing? And if anybody could see me right now, I am reaching and pointing towards Rich's pen and substituting the word thing for pen. Rich would have, if we weren't on the radio and he wasn't looking right at me, he would have followed my finger point, eye gaze. He would have seen what I was pointing at and he would have handed did to me or said this and I would have said yes. So those kinds of things, substituting the word thing for a specific item. So I mean, non-specific word substitutions are common. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Glad but, I have my long-term care policy. Right. But they also said that this... Um, it is a study of one. It's not enough to say, oh, and again, most of us won't have that kind of data of our speech um, patterns and every everything else. Although those are things that we see. We see word finding problems and initially appropriate substitutions. So if I wanted to say, how's, how's Jennifer? How's Jen? And I can't remember her name. I might say, how's that beautiful wife of yours? Or ah. how's, you know, so... Initially, we're going to have word substitutions that make sense, um, and eventually they're going to progress to word substitutions that don't really make sense, and then we're going to lose words. Mm -hmm. But why is everybody trying to race to find earlier method of diagnosis, blood test, um, speech pattern, peanut butter, eye scans? Um, They're talking about saliva. One of the things we know now is that probably by the time we show symptoms, we're in mid to later stage It's like Alzheimer's. anything else, right? By the right. time I showed symptoms of being an insulin-dependent diabetic, uh, yeah, you know... You were well into your I was, disease. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so right. because the, the body's organs have got significant excess capacity and That's you don't right. recognize that they're not working until that capacity has been eroded and it's no longer excess and is now insufficient. That's right. That's right. And we have so many, our brain is so complex and we have so many coping mechanisms and we have so many people around us who are willing to take up the slack to kind of hide the things that are going wrong. Oh, dad's just under a lot of stress. So mm-hmm. um, that's why he's always losing his keys or that's why he got lost getting home from the hardware store. Um, really, there's a lot of um, kind of protection that goes around both internally and externally. But if we could diagnose Alzheimer's earlier, then we could possibly begin to affect the quality of life and the longevity of life and the longevity of independence, so mm-hmm. functional independence. Because right now we introduce medications that are only effective in a very minor way probably well into the disease and none of the medications that we have are going to reverse any process. The hope is to stall or to delay decline. But if we can delay or stall in the very early stages, then we could gain years of independence. We could mitigate significant cost. Right now we spend about, I think the estimated cost in 2016 was $259 billion in the U.S. on Alzheimer's care. Wow. Um, So differential tests are going to be important also. Amyloid versus tau to different proteins, um, and um, it appears that amyloid is primarily responsible for Alzheimer's, but tau is going to be more primarily responsible for a frontotemporal lobe dementia. And I think I've mentioned here before, there are far more types of dementia than people realize. Yeah. So, 
And now, by the way, you've just given us, you've given me another reason to avoid going to the eye doctor. <laughs> oh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I already, well, I already, I already know I need bifocals. I'm just forestalling the, yeah. uh, the inevitable. Well, the thing is, is, and I think your reaction is really common. Oh, you know what? I'd rather not know if there's nothing we can do about it. The truth is there are things we can do about it. You already do many of them, partly because of your, your forced diet changes, in terms of regulating refined sugars and yeah. things like that, you're active, you're engaged in intellectual activity, you meet p- new people um, frequently, you try new things, you're doing, you know, police department testing and things like that. All of those would be things that we would be recommending to somebody. So I think early diagnosis is a good thing. One, you might get involved in a study. Um, and this is the larger you, not pointing my finger now at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but you might get involved in a study where there could be something that could have an impact if it's introduced early on. One of the things that they're looking at also is an is a immunotherapy vaccine. They're taking cells from very healthy, very cognitively intact 90 and 100-year-olds, you know, people who are from 90 to 105 who have zero evidence of any amyloid plaque, any tau buildup also, um, well, primarily amyloid, so let me correct that, but um, no cognitive decline. So not just no amyloid, but also, or very little amyloid, but also no cognitive decline whatsoever. They're taking cells and they're using those in an immunotherapy vaccine in a um, phase three trial at the FDA. So um, and they're showing positive signs so of um, stabilizing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, nothing that we have is going to reverse, but what we're looking to do is find an early diagnosis and then stabilize. So I think, you know, what we need is more people in studies and we need more people um, – to kind of get over that fear of the what if mm-hmm. so that we could begin to look at um, how we can impact this disease much earlier because it is so catastrophic. So those are the reasons that I would say these um, these studies to look for an early diagnosis are really important. The other important piece of this is if your family member gets a diagnosis of dementia, ask the doctor to go deeper. Um, is this Alzheimer's or do you think it might be another type of dementia? Because what the, the studies are so separated in terms of intervention, potential future interventions, amyloid versus tau, that you would want to know so that you can get in the right direction, you can be moved in the right direction. Judy Lubier, moving us always in the right direction uh-huh. when it comes to caring for our seniors. We appreciate your being with us here on the Gerard Large Radio Show. Thank you for having me. All right, SeniorsHelpingSeniorsNH.com for more. That's SeniorsHelpingSeniorsNH.com. Josh, do what you can with what I left you.